The Navy has a new spokesman, no tiger, big problems, and John discusses the best way to engage your community. All this and more on this week's Three C's in a Pod. Three C's in a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Bashan Mann, and with me on the show are Chris Cervello and John Schofield. We thank you for joining us this week. For more of the Provision Conversation, follow us on Twitter and give us your thoughts at ProV Advisors. That's P-R-O-V Advisors. Or check us out on the web, www.provisionadvisors.net. As always, we look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back, gentlemen. Let's uh, start today's show with Rearview. This week, Rear Admiral Charlie Brown took over as the Navy's Chief of Information during a change of office held in the Pentagon briefing room. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the state of Navy messaging as Charlie assumes the job and the Navy prepares for a new CNO. John, I'll throw it to you. Sean and I were there uh, yesterday and Thursday to uh, welcome Charlie into the fold as, as uh, the Chief of Information. Um, and I can tell you, and there's no science to this, but it just had a feel of healing, an air of, of it being official and being authoritative again. And I don't mean for that to sound like I'm throwing shade on Captain Greg Hicks or Rear Admiral Don Cutler, but it just felt like a healing process of bringing a one star back into the fold to lead the messaging campaign for the Navy, particularly at this very interesting time as we're doing fun ops off the coast of uh, Taiwan uh, in the Sea of Japan. We've got the ongoing tensions between uh, the United States and Iran with the presence of a carrier strike group there in the uh, Fifth Fleet AOR. So uh, I, I was very happy to see Charlie assume the, the title as Chinfo, um, and I hope that he can bring not only his clout as a one star, but his clout as a very good communicator um, to bear, uh, to, to really lead this community, this very small community of just 250 or so public affairs officers on active duty and and lead them into this next chapter of, of communicating the Navy's story. We need to find new and provocative ways to do it. Charlie's the right man for the job. Thanks, John. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was glad to be in attendance. Um, it felt good to see a full room, uh, in, specifically in that uh, Pentagon press briefing room, uh, to see the likes of uh, Barbara Starr, Bob Burns, uh, Courtney Kuby, uh, Jim Garamone um, at, at all uh, in there, uh, Lolita Baldor as well, you know, people that we know, people that we, uh, colleagues uh, that we've worked with, uh, past Chinfos, uh, all in attendance, um, and, and just uh, some really good uh, current uh, and, and past Navy communicators uh, to mark uh, the event of, um, of Admiral Brown taking over as the Chief of Information. And yes, applauding the fact that for two years, uh, Captain Greg Hicks uh, stepped in there, shouldered uh, what was coming at him, and, and carried the community across some hot coals. That's to be commended. And the Navy uh, succeeds when we've got professional communicators uh, and messengers out there uh, talking about, uh, telling the public, telling the public, uh, telling, carrying the message to our to our sailors and, and their families about what we're doing. Uh, I think Admiral Brown actually mentioned that uh, in his remarks that uh, it, it's it's uh, it's imperative that we are there, uh, letting everyone know what their Navy is doing. Um, that is our 
that is our charge. So a great event. Uh, kudos to the folks that, that made it happen. Uh, glad to see the CNO, Admiral Richardson, uh, there to uh, mark the occasion as well. I'm, I'm excited about what, what the future holds for, for Navy Public Affairs, and uh, I'm here, uh, here to support that in any way that, that we can uh, from our perch. Yeah, I think that we can provide a great deal. And, and I, you know, Bashan and I were standing right there talking to Charlie as he extended that olive branch, which I'm sure he's done with every current and former Navy public affairs officer to help him help all of us uh, to keep the lines of communication open with former active duty KOs, with retirees like ourselves, with former Shinfos. Uh, to help him continue to shape the narrative for uh, the Navy. I found it ironic that Charlie assumed the ranks um, as you turn on any TV or talk show that's stationed out of New York City right now, and you've got New York City Fleet Week happening. Um, it happens every single year, and and we throw a bunch of PAOs at the at the evolution to try to to walk media through who the Navy is on one of the biggest stages in New York City. Um, and as soon as you start thinking, hey, we don't need professional PAOs, um, every single year there's turnover in, in the media and, and the media continues to be um, and with individuals that don't necessarily have the acumen of the Barbara Stars and the Bob Burns and the Courtney Kubis who were in attendance on Thursday. And we owe it to them to, to continue to throw good PAOs at those new journalists during events like New York City Fleet Week to explain the context and perspective of America's Navy. Um, so I found, I found it very ironic that Fleet Week was happening at the same time as uh, Charlie's assumption of command. I think the future is bright. John, I take a little bit of a different, uh, a, a little bit of a different view. Um, I, I worry about the future. Um, I think uh, uh, Admiral Brown has a lot of potential. Um, and as we talked about on an earlier podcast, I mean, he clearly has to repair the relationship with the media, the E-ring, and really restore the faith in the junior public affairs community that has really been kind of left to themselves in terms of developing. Um, if you Google Navy this morning when you're listening to this podcast, it's kind of hard to find what the Navy story is. A lot of discussion about bad things that are happening to people in the Navy, um, whether it's a sailor that was killed in Road to Spain or a sailor that died. We don't know if yet how that person died, but whether it's um, a death of a sailor, whether it's the SEALs that may or may not be pardoned. We'll talk more about that later. Um, the silly sailor tricks that are just kind of part of any organization. But there really is no clear Navy story that's being articulated day in and day out, even as the Navy is conducting freedom of navigation operations in the South China Sea and the Straits of Taiwan, even as the Navy is on station in the Arabian Gulf, keeping the Iranians and the proxies in check. So that that worries me. Um, that I don't lump that completely on the public affairs community. Although you did mention Fleet Week, uh, I was a little disappointed to see Fox and Friends on board USS New York yesterday, full-on political discussion with uh, Marines and sailors as the window dressing uh, in the Yeah, that, that did not look or, or sound good. That was terrible. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the Navy Public Affairs. It's embarrassing for the United States Navy. It's embarrassing for the United States. The Navy needs to own that stuff. Uh, hopefully, uh, Admiral Brown will prevent 
stuff like that from happening next year. But bi bigger picture, just to some of the things that you said, and this is more for Admirals Moran and Burke, um, who were confirmed this week uh, to be CNO and BCNO respectively uh, later this summer. As you said, the Navy has to do a better job of telling its story. They've got to be aggressive in the types of communication that they do, right? It's just not this passive social media where you just sort of put stuff out and, you know, retweet it four or five hours later, um, or email reporters with the same stale stories. That stuff's got to change. Um, and as Admiral Brown said yesterday, we've got to do a better job of reaching the American public. You know, I look at where the, the Navy is today, and it, it reminds me of where the Air Force was 10 or 15 years ago. Um, not really a story that is well understood, um, even less uh, communicated to the key audiences. So uh, they really have nowhere to go but up. Well spoken. Well spoken. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, shifting gears. Ratings for the 101st PGA Championships are in. And, well, they're not great. Uh, Sunday's final round where Brooks, Brooks Kepka, excuse me, put the finishing touches on a thorough destruction of the field that began from the moment he teed off on Thursday ended with a rating 3.9 overnight. Uh, that's down 36% from last year's 6.1. Gentlemen, let's talk about it. What went wrong and how does the PGA move forward? Chris? So we talked a little bit about it last week. The fact that Tiger didn't make the cut uh, certainly doesn't help. Uh, but then John went a little bit deeper last week, and that's kind of where I wanted to center my comments on. Um, the PGA has got to do a better job of developing the personalities of the golfers that are um, the headliners uh, of this young group of, uh, of folks. Can I ask you, can I jump in right there, Chris? And you, that's a very good point. How? What's, what, can you give an example of how they do that? Because I think some people will listen to what you just said and ask that same question. How does, how does, uh, how does the PGA, how do they do that? What, what's something uh, they can do to help someone uh, with a personality issue? So largely the branding of golfers in uh, the PGA or the USGA or international golf is left primarily up to the, the individual golfers. Uh, golfers that want to keep their head down and do their own thing um, traditionally been allowed to do that. The brand has largely been made by either sponsorships or how they performed on the golf course. I just don't think that um, the PGA has that luxury anymore. So I think there needs to be a concerted effort to pick a handful of these young folks and uh, either demonstrate or help them grow some personality so that they become a draw in, in themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean for people that are traditional um, golf watchers or, or people that really enjoy the sport um, that uh, I, I think, you know, the play on the, on the PGA tour right now is probably as good as it's ever been. We can right. out different, um, different winners. A lot of the, um, a lot of the tournaments last year came, came down to the final set of holes or even went to extra holes. And so the competition is there. I think they just need to do a better job of growing the personalities of the key players and bringing in that next level of audience and, and not relying on Tiger. John. Does any of that kind of feel like the WWF, um, to you guys because it does to me it, it feels like you almost have to create this dramatic narrative that might not necessarily be true between the golfers I remember I loved the idea of Tiger and Phil facing off and that they didn't like each other and that it was always 
this complete just contrast of right-handed golfer versus left-handed golfer, uh, you know, sort of image of the pure family man and Phil and, and kind of the wild reclamation story and Tiger, although things are coming to light about Phil where the, the, the man isn't necessarily as squeaky clean as, as the PGA might, might want. But, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that there needs to be contrived hatred or rivalry between the players, but they need drama. Um, it's hard. I, I, I love playing golf. Um, and even for me, it's hard to sit down and watch four hours of coverage, particularly when it's an ass kicking like what Kepka was doing. Now, DJ made it pretty close uh, last week and he made it a tiny bit interesting, but it, it's just not it's not there. I talked about how boring Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth are. They are boring. Um, and and it, it's kind of a it's a weird thing where. I think golf has an embarrassment of riches of really good players like Spieth and Thomas and DJ and Kepka and Fowler, but they're all boys. They all hang out together down in Jupiter, Florida and chill on the weekends and do their thing. And there just isn't any personality to it. And as, as the ratings came in, as we predicted, these dudes are just, there's no, there's no story there. Um, and I don't know if the right answer is to concoct one and create false drama that would, I think, make me feel even even less comfortable. But it's there. There aren't the good old rivalries of the days of old of of Jack against Gary Player or Tom Watson. Um, th those things don't exist, and I don't know how the PGA Tour can get it back. All right, gentlemen, let's get ourselves out of here, folks. We took a look back, and when we return, we're going to deep dive. Stick with us. You're listening to Three Season a Pod. Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. We're back, and it's time to deep dive. Folks, this week, John shared some thoughts on our Provision Advisors blog about the value of thoughtful and consistent community outreach as a way of engaging stakeholders and expanding your audience. Hey, John, we're going to throw it to you. Please share your thoughts on a few tricks of the trade. Uh, on what you were trying to get across with the blog. Yeah, so I wrote that up as sort of a, um, a respect piece to what I think is a really great week in Annapolis, and that is uh, Annapolis Commissioning Week in and around the Naval Academy. Uh, every year this happens where parents come in the Saturday before graduation from all around the world, all around the country, um, and they come in on Saturday and then from Sunday through today, um, and it's always on the Friday before Memorial Day weekend, the, these families take over Annapolis. Um, and Annapolis is a very unique school in that just about every single year, um, they have students uh, matriculated in, uh, in the academy who hail from every single congressional district around the country. That is a melting pot. Um, and then when you bring them all into Annapolis for commissioning week, um, you, you are really executing what I like to just call straight stick community relations. The Naval Academy and the Navy do a really good job of, of opening the doors of Annapolis to these families. And from Saturday to Friday, doing parades, doing Blue Angel shows, um, doing different events out in town with the Navy band and, and color guards to, to really make the, the experience for these graduates special. Uh, and, and what I like to think about is 
just how important community relations is, not just for military installations or academies, uh, but for all companies, um, small businesses, big businesses, you know, making the community a part of your priorities um, is critical. Uh, I got really, really well at the Naval Academy um, through our community outreach, uh, particularly during times when the media relations game got pretty rough, when we had really bad stories out there in the news. The thing that tempered those bad stories were 24,000 hours of community service the NIDS did out in town through Girls on the Run, Habitat for Humanity, myriad other um, charities. So my my opinion on this is that businesses like Starbucks, like Home Depot, like Anheuser-Busch, uh, and all those other big businesses that started off as small businesses in a small town, uh, to continue to embrace the community and, and make the community understand why you love them so much, why uh, their embracing of you at the beginning of your business helped you eventually become a bigger and more successful business. And then how are you giving back? All week long this week in Annapolis, the Naval Academy gives back to these 1,200 parents and even more tourists who come in. So um, that was my opinion on the whole matter. Bash, I know you've done a lot of Comrel. Um, how do you feel about it? Yeah, no, I agree with everything you're saying. And I will point actually to a personal experience uh, that I had, uh, that I've gone through myself and, and, uh, and my family uh, just this week. Uh, as you guys know, my folks are from upstate New York, uh, Wappinger Falls to be exact. The past several years, my father, uh, who's a boat captain at a, at a marina there on the Hudson River, uh, he and the other boat captains have decided to uh, do a day cruise to celebrate veterans uh, in the county up there. And it's something they've, they've done for, for several years. Uh, and they were looking to do it again this year, but they weren't exactly getting the assistance that they needed from the local veterans group uh, or the, the, the VA representative uh, for the county. Uh, there was a little bit of changeover uh, this year, um, and it just seemed, it's something that's really simple. Um, you know, you've got, these, you've got these residents, these Dutchess County residents who want to give back uh, volunteer their time, volunteer their property to show gratitude to their community. And then you've got an element that's, that's not willing to give the energy uh, to, to the veterans and, and, and their family members. And it's just, it's frustrating. I could feel the frustration uh, and hear the frustration uh, in my father's voice and, and that of uh, the other boat captains at the marina. You know, we want to do something nice. We want to do something good. Uh, this this is they want they have to live there they, they, they've chosen to, to live where they live it's better when they're working together as a community uh, and when someone is trying to uh, throw a obstacle in the middle of that um, you can see where you know it's just look I don't under, I don't understand why you're trying to make this difficult we can do so much more together uh, so it's so John you know like as you were saying it it behooves individuals who are trying to bolster their own brand, bolster their own uh, identity within a community to do everything they can to appeal to the greater unity and success of everyone that's around them. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be worth um, the toil uh, or, or the energy that you spend uh, in the long run. It's, it's really tough.
to try and to try and get people to pull their blinders off and, and, and see that um, that that this is really a good thing is is really imperative. And I implore I implore people to just look around them and say, look, how can I help you get to where you want to go? And it will turn out very well for you. So um, that's you know that's that's my little soapbox and my plug. Uh, for 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 the community, the community of Dutchess County, Dutchess County, excuse me, uh, where I grew up and where my parents continue to reside, uh, and I wish them well because it's a really great place to live, and I and I want to celebrate and salute uh, the veterans that are that are there now. Chris, let me uh, as sure. you throw it to Chris, let me just take that as an opportunity, and maybe Chris was already going to talk about this to to talk about the Baltimore Orioles uh, that Chris and I talked about. Uh, last week. Um, here they are. They're coming off of a four-game absolute ass-kicking at the at the hands of the Yankees. Not just blowouts, but then blown leads late, a, a further disenfranchised fan base. Um, and the Orioles have tried. And knowing how much they're losing, they're trying to compensate for that by getting more into the community and embracing fans who come to the park with more giveaways, more opportunities to watch a movie on the field or adults run the bases, not just kids. Um, and, and they're trying. They're going to have to try a lot harder, um, not just when people get into the stadium because there are only 6,000 people getting in there. They're going to have to get out there more. Um, and, and I check their community relations page all the time. Not, not enough. Not enough. Um, and Chris, go ahead on that. I was going to mention the Orioles. I think you did a good job of covering it. And I think the examples that both of you provided are, are solid. The, the only point that I'll add, and I'll, I'll try to keep it short, um, I, I think it's particularly imperative in this day of digital media. Ten out of ten times on the communicators SAT, uh, you'll get the question right about you know reaching out to the community and the, the local audience and making sure that you know they're they're a part of uh, your communication effort. But I think we get lulled as communicators and as organizations, we get lulled into just doing that via social media or via blog or, or whatever. And we kind of forget the value, especially in the day of, uh, of digital media, the value of that human contact and looking your stakeholders in the eyes. And whether that's actual veterans or whether that's parents or members of the community of Annapolis or whether it's Baltimore Oriole fans that are having a tough year because their team is in the toilet. It doesn't matter. There's something to be said uh, for that that one-on-one -on -one or group-on-group -group, uh, human interaction. Um, it's a very powerful communication tool and I, I thought you did a really good job in the blog. Excellent discussion, John. Really appreciate you taking time to write that. Folks, uh, please take some time to visit uh, www.provisionadvisors.net click on the blog uh, icon and you can check out uh, what John had to share. We're coming right back with what's next and on the horizon. You're listening to Three Season Apart. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. Welcome back to Three Season of Pod with Provision Advisors. Gentlemen, let's look out on the horizon and what the next week may bring. Chris, you're up first. My on the horizon is 
I'm looking forward to President Trump and his advisors. Um, I'm looking forward to them doing the right thing and not pardoning war criminals. Now, the law of averages says that he has to get one right from time to time. Um, man, I'm really hoping that this is that one time. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but I just, uh, I just really hope he gets this one right. Here, 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 here. John, how about you? Uh, I'm looking forward, ironically, to the NBA Finals. Um, so Golden State is going to the Finals again, and this kind of draws back to the conversation about uh, the PGA Championship. Golden State has now gone to five straight NBA Finals, um, and we we I don't think we've gone a single week on this podcast without mentioning the word fatigue. I think people are going to get Warriors fatigue. Um, it, it's only it's only enjoyable for so long to see a team dominate. Um, I, I think I think people love the idea of of dominant winners, but in in particularly a sport like the NBA, they like the idea of parity a little bit more. Five straight NBA Finals is the first time since the dominant Celtics teams of the '60s with Havlicek and and Russell at all. Um, so it, it's interesting, uh, particularly to see who they might play uh, with Toronto winning last night in Milwaukee. They could be playing Toronto. Um, so you want to talk about shitty ratings. Uh, that could be really, really bad because not a whole lot of people in this country care about Toronto. Um, and the other ones who do care about NBA basketball might be a little fatigued because of the five straight Golden State appearances. So. I'm going to watch that with a discerning eye, see what the ratings come back with and uh, how many people might just instead choose to tune into a Boston Bruins, St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup final instead of the NBA. <laughs> noted, noted. Good points, John. Thank you. Uh, folks, we'll wrap it up with this. Um, the news cycle is, uh, is, is quite dominant. It moves really fast. And so this week, you probably saw 100 different things that you could focus on. Uh, part of my focus was drawn to Wrangler Jeans, Buffalo Wild Wings, and quite frankly, Newton's Law, the first law. Every object in a state of uniform motion will remain in the state of motion unless an external force acts upon it. All right, well, Bashan, what are you talking about? If you're familiar with this song, Lil, Lil Nas X is the artist, Take My Horse Down the, down the Old Town Road. That's the, the, the title of the song is, is Old Town Road. Um, and this, this particular artist um, has partnered with Wrangler Jeans. There's a lyric within the song where he references Wrangler Jeans. And there was a large outcry uh, from people who apparently wear Wrangler Jeans um, that they were going to boycott um, uh, this particular brand of, uh, of denim. Uh, just didn't, didn't like that Wrangler was associated uh, with, this, with this music artist. Um, by the same token, a Buffalo Wild Wings in Kansas City argued that they had the right not to serve black customers. Um, they're, they're, they continued on with that argument that it was because they didn't tip well. Well, folks, here's the thing, and I don't want to go into a long, drawn-out uh, diatribe about racism in this country. It's a discussion that, whether you like it or not, um, surrounds all of us, uh, and you can have your discussions um, around whatever dinner table or, or water, cool, water cooler that you like. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're deciding not to wear a particular brand of denim uh, because an artist um, is, 
uh, a rapper or, or is black or you don't want to serve black people at a restaurant, we got a really big problem. And we've had a really big problem. And as I mentioned, Newton's law about an object staying in motion unless an equal force acts upon it. Well, here's the deal. If it feels like racism keeps popping up over and over and over and over again, it's because there's not enough force going the other way, all right, to tell racist people where to go within this country, all right? Folks, listen, it's Memorial Day weekend, all right? It's a time for us to take a moment, and before we put steaks on the grill or put our toes in some sand, well, I implore you to actually take a just, I don't know, a minute, just a minute to think about the sacrifices people have made to ensure that we can enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy. That's it. That's all I want. Okay. Because there's people out there that would like to have this weekend without the pain of having to think about the loved one they lost, whether on this shore or shores foreign to us. And I'm going to leave that right there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on Three Season a Pod. Have a safe, enjoyable, and reflective Memorial Day weekend. And until next week, be good, be safe, and be better than yesterday. Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.